Welcome to the PCA Power of Positive podcast powered by Tapivo. I'm Jason Sachs, PCA's Vice President for Business Development and Philanthropy. Thanks to Tapivo for the support of this podcast series. Tapivo is a new platform that is America's youth sport directory. You can use Tapivo to find, review, and back youth sports programs near you. To learn more about Tapivo, visit tapivo.com. Today's guest on the podcast is the founder of WeCoach, Megan Bartlett. Megan has spent most of her career working in, designing, and advocating for programs that use sports to promote youth development and positively impact communities. She speaks regularly on the power of sport to create social change and is the co-author of the book Redesigning Youth Sport, Change the Game. Before founding WeCoach, Megan served as the Chief Program Officer at Up to Us Sports, where she created their innovative, nationally recognized, trauma-informed coach training program. We're going to get into a lot of talk about trauma and brain science with Megan. It's a conversation that you won't want to miss. Enjoy this week's Power of Positive podcast with Megan Bartlett. Welcome to the Positive Coaching Alliance Power of Positive podcast. Jason Sachs here, and we are lucky enough to be joined by Megan Bartlett, the founder of We Coach, and also a PCA National Advisory Board member. So, Megan, thanks so much for joining us here. Thanks for having me, Jason. Yeah, and we are sitting here overlooking Fenway Park. We are in the City of Champions. Is that yeah. official? I think that is official. Yes. It would be hard to argue with. Okay, so we'll go with the City of Champions, yeah. Boston. Um, but we are really excited to uh, talk to Megan. We're going to talk about We Coach. We're going to talk about trauma in sports and uh, coaching and coach education and even get into a little brain science, which is going to be exciting and um, fascinating. I think every time that I've heard you speak or um, learned more about this or read what We Coach has put out in their recent white paper, um, it's just really an interesting topic that I think our listeners are really going to enjoy hearing. So awesome. looking forward to it. So what is We Coach? Oh, great question. Um, we Coach is a small consulting company um, full of people who believe in the power of sport to be a positive intervention. Um, we focus primarily on the way in which um, sport can help support mental health and positive sort of brain development and growth. Um, but generally, you know, how to how do we make sure that sport is a positive experience for all young people? And so what sports experiences or your personal experiences led you to, we coaches, what, a year and a half, two years old? Almost yeah, a year now? and a yeah. half. So, yeah. so how, did we get, how did we get here? Um, great question. Um, I played sport growing up um, through college. Um, I have a twin brother, so I did everything he did and vice versa. Um, and that meant a lot of time playing sports, um, both because it was like my parents decided that you could do two for one, right? right. <laughs> you didn't have to go to <laughs> you didn't have to go to a whole bunch of extra activities. You could just put them both in the same thing. Uh, so, and then when I got out of college, I um, through some just connections of people that I knew from playing college soccer, and um, found out that not every kid has the opportunity to play. Uh, so, I got involved in some of the sort of youth development organizations that are using sport intentionally and making sure that in any community, regardless of resources, kids have the opportunity to be on a team and have a positive coach and spend their out of school time hours productively in that way. Um, so, I went to work for America Scores um, and then helped start Up to Us Sports, which runs a national service coaching program. 
And then after about 10 years with Up to Us, it was sort of time to explore more deeply some of this brain science stuff and think really focus really focus on how does how can sport be used as an intervention for positive mental health so we're going to get to the brain stuff in a little bit um but i also want to set some foundation uh for a buzzword that probably in your life has been around a lot longer than other people that might be listening to this but the whole idea of trauma informed trauma sensitive uh what does that mean when it comes when we're talking about kids in a community or if you're coaching you're looking out you know kids have you know experienced trauma but what exactly does that mean sure um uh, trauma is definitely becoming a more sort of popular part of the lexicon um and part of what i didn't talk about in my background is that my first job out of college was in community mental health um so i worked in a clinic for four years um and had the opportunity to do outreach work with Um, families where kids had been suffering from major mental illnesses Um, and that's where I learned about trauma and trauma is you know sort of at its simplest form the experiencing the experience of overwhelming stress Mm -hmm. Um, not sort of the day-to-day stress that all of us experience but overwhelming stress that sort of floods our system that floods our bodies and brains and actually changes the biology um, changes our biology Uh, And it looks like a lot of different things. Um, One of the assumptions of trauma is that it's more likely to be present in communities with fewer resources. Um, And at its core, that's not necessarily true. Um, The foundational study in trauma was something called the Adverse Childhood Experiences Study, which basically looked at how often are young people exposed to abuse, neglect, or some other kind of disruption in their home. Um, And those those numbers are consistent across populations. That's what what we know about adverse childhood experiences is that it's trauma as a public health issue. Right. That that no matter where you live, no matter where you come from, you can be exposed to those things in your home and they have a long term they can have a long term negative impact on your health. Um, But what is also true is that trauma is a social justice issue in that you can also experience it outside the home. So if you happen to grow up in a community that has fewer resources that may struggle with, uh, you may struggle with homelessness, community violence, um, food insecurity, uh, major poverty, those kinds of things are more likely to happen to certain populations in this country. So it's both a public health issue and a social justice issue. And so... What are some examples you mentioned of flooding the brain or, or, or other things? Mm-hmm. You know, when a child experiences trauma or repeat bouts of trauma, yep. like what exactly is happening to their brain that's staying with them or what's happening to them just as an individual that yep. is impacting their life? So um, generally what I always make sure people understand about the brain is that the brain is way more complicated than the way I'm going to describe it. Um, the answer to any question about the brain is that it's much more complicated right. than that. Um, but, but you're going to make it, I'm going to make it easy, easy for us, which is, good, yes. which is good. Um, and again, missing some of the nuance, but, um, what generally happens in the brain is when we experience overwhelming stress, it activates our survival instincts. It mm-hmm. activates the part of the brain that's charged with survival, uh, which happens sort of in the back bottom part of the brain. 
And when that happens, um, because the brain is plastic and use dependent, like a muscle, the part that you use the most becomes the strongest. And so if you are using your survival instincts the most, that becomes a stronger part of your brain than sort of your rational thinking or decision-making brain. And so young people who are exposed to trauma during a critical time when their brains are still developing are more likely to sort of have their brain architecture develop around those survival instincts than a young person who doesn't have that experience. And when you're using your survival brain, you're actually not using your rational thinking brain. It draws attention away from that part of the brain to make sure to keep you safe, which is great and it's how the brain should work. It just means that some of the behavior that young people engage in in order to keep safe may not fit the experience that they're having. Um, I like to give the example of what happens to a young person who's experienced trauma is if we imagine being chased by a bear, Mm -hmm. what our body and our brain would do. If you experience trauma over time, it's like being chased by a bear all the time. Your brain just reacts no matter what kind of stress you're having as though you're being chased by a bear. And so if your phone is on 2% and you react right. like you're being chased by a bear, yeah. that won't exactly match the circumstances. So a teacher says something to a young person that they don't like, a kid runs into another kid on the field, right. and they have a survival instinct instead of a rational response. And that's, that's what I was, I was going to, a good, good segue, because I was thinking about, you know, people listening that have coached, you know, I've coached so many kids where coaching basketball, something happens, going up for a rebound, and it's just part of the game, something happens, and the reaction is, you know, so much bigger than you would expect in the situation, and you're just like, we're just going for a loose ball, right? and, but there's that, you know, whether it's a short fuse or or whatever, whatever it is, but it's that, you know, not knowing the right totally. time or place to and yeah. how to the response is yeah. disproportionate right. to exactly. the amount of stress yeah. right or at least it seems that way to us right we are as adults or as the coach able to see that this is not a high stress right. ex- not a big you know area, yeah. we know yeah. everybody's going home safe right even after they bumped up against each other going yeah. for a rebound um, in that moment to that young person, it doesn't feel that way. Their survival instinct kicks in because in the past, they've needed that to deal with the kind of stress they deal with. So I'm going to go back to some of the sure. things that I've heard you say in other talks that you've given. So talk about the, you know, one, the brain as a muscle and what mm-hmm. we know and what we thought about when we thought people's brains develop versus yeah. when they actually do. And sure. so for coaches that are coaching middle school, high school age, or even college age kids, like what do we know about the brain at those ages? Sure. Um, so the brain operates like a muscle. It's not technically a muscle, but it operates like a muscle in that it's plastic and use dependent in that the parts that you work out the most are going to be the strongest. Um, and that there's a normal trajectory over time for, from birth, actually from you know, before birth, from from before you're born, all the way through sort of your whole lifespan, um, we used to for a long time think that the brain was pretty much developed by the time you were in your early adulthood. Um, but because we know so much about how 
it's plastic and used to bend it now we actually know that you can teach an old dog new tricks, right? right? It may take longer to develop those competencies to to sort of rewire your brain to do something differently, but the brain can always change throughout the lifespan. There are critical growth periods mm-hmm. that happen as young people. Actually, the biggest period is from zero to four. Um, your brain develops the most. You have four-year-old twins. Yeah, yeah you know, I, I'm you've seeing that right now every day. Yeah, yeah. exactly between day to day how quickly right they go from Pick up not on being, able being able to, to put things together and right not being know. able to yeah. see beyond their nose <laughs> right. yeah. to being able to yeah. you know have full conversations right um so the the biggest critical period is then um and so that's the basis for why early education is so important, so important. Yeah. Um, and why even getting young kids active if not in structured sport but in giving them the opportunity to play and the opportunity to interact with other people and move around a lot is really good for them um, and then there are other you know critical brain growth periods throughout your development and including adolescence um, adolescence is a time when your brain develops more quickly um, which means that you're more creative, you're more mm-hmm. nimble, you have a lot of really great assets, but you are still not as fully developed as you're going to be, which, um, you know, you only have to look at sort of public policy to understand that for a long time we thought people were done developing at 18. Um, you can be drafted at 18, right, you can be yeah. tried as an adult at 18, you can vote at 18, you should be able to make your rational decisions by the time you're 18. But we know the brain actually is not done developing at that age, and particularly for young men, they need some more time yeah. to develop the front part of the brain, which is the part of the brain that's in charge of your rational thinking. So adolescents are more likely to be sort of driven by the emotional parts of their brain. Um, And anybody who knows an adolescent knows that's true. (laughs) Um, And, but that's normal and developmental. Um, It's how how their brain is developing. It's how they're building all of the experiences that will inform how they make rational decisions and moving forward. So at, at those younger ages, they actually need practice using their the front part of the brain the prefrontal cortex uh, or their thinking brain they need practice they need to understand how we do it we need to share you know sort of the if thens with them right. um and give them chances to practice making decisions that if they make the wrong decision it'll still be okay they can try again yeah so you you said that we used to think, or people might still think, that the yep. brain is fully developed at the age For of 18. For sure, people definitely do. <laughs> <laughs> that is not the case. Um, but talk about what trauma does to the quote-unquote age of the brain. Sure. So if the normal developmental trajectory is from the back of the front to the back of the brain to the front of the brain, um, back of the brain is the sort of most fundamental um, things that our body does that we don't have to think about through the emotional part of our brain, which includes the um, survival instincts, which includes sort of the way we respond to external stimuli, all the way to, you know, the front of the brain, which is the most rational, which can sort of overrule in some ways our emotional responses, right? We've all had those moments where we wanted to say something per perhaps not as friendly as the way we had to say it when we get into a discussion with someone or so 
that is your front, the front part of your brain overruling your emotional part of the brain. And so the normal trajectory is that. That happens across the developmental s- span. Adolescents are not great at it yet. They're right. still working on it. And what happens if you experience overwhelming stress or trauma is that you also sort of double down on the emotional part of the brain because that's where your survival instinct is. Yeah. And so in the same way that you're, you know, you're already more likely to be in that part of your brain developmentally, and then if you experience overwhelming stress, you're, you're saying, you know, your brain is going to sort of be driven by that part, by those, that part of your brain, that reaction is going to be most forward. Right. Um, and so it's what, what ends up happening is like we said, young people's behavior doesn't match necessarily the circumstance they find themselves in. Yeah. And I think I was maybe at the, the talk you gave in Chicago, um, a couple months ago, which I know you've done many talks in Chicago, but you talked about, um, you know, the age of a woman versus the age mm. of a man and experiences they go through sure. depending on their background. Talk, totally. Just talk about some of those studies sure. a little bit. So a couple of things. One is just that m- men sort of reach the end of their critical brain growth phase later than women. Women are more likely to be sort of done cooking their brains through their critical periods by their early 20s. Okay. And it can take sort of the mid up to the mid 20s for boys um male coaches really like when i point that out um (laughs) but because of that number one coaches who or any adult who's working with a young person who assumes that they're rational by 18 is setting themselves up for disappointment in terms of that young person's ability to be rational and so when So just sort of knowing a little bit about the brain, what we hope is that that means that coaches will come with a different perspective. Will come not with the expectation that kids are always going to be rational and make the right choices, but they actually, that we're actually there to help them practice that. When, what, when this really shows up, I think, is for young people who look older than they are. Right. Um, so oftentimes we're already sort of out of proportion with our expectations for how rational they can be. And then if you're a middle school girl who looks 17, mm-hmm. then we think this 14-year-old should be acting like a 17-year-old. And we already thought the 17-year-old should be doing more than they can. Right. And so we're just sort of outsizing our expectations for what a young person can do. Um, this is more likely to happen to black girls. Mm-hmm. Um, the There's something called the adultification bias of okay. black girls. Um, adults who work with young black girls are more likely to assume that they are older and to assign intent to their behavior that if the exact same behavior was undertaken by a white girl, they wouldn't believe that that white girl should know better the way that they do with black girls. Um, It also happens to young black males who are assumed to be older than they are. Yeah. You've talked, so we've set that foundation, a little groundwork on, on trauma and stress. Um, And we've started to dance around a little bit, just mentioning sports here or there, but what does activity in sports, what does that do to a, the first, the brain? Yeah 
let's talk about that. And then secondly, when you talk about trauma or stress, yep. what does sports do in those environments? Sure. Um, I was actually just speaking today with, um, we're lucky to work with uh, Dr. Bruce Perry and the Child Trauma Academy about, um, we're working with them on sort of expanding their incredible work with clinicians and educators and foster parents. And so a lot of people who are dealing with young people who experience trauma, um, trying to bring their work into the sports space. And we were just talking today about how unique sport is in this space, um, both because of, to your point, the positive impact that physical activity can just have on the brain, regardless of a young person's sort of stress profile. And because once they have experienced that stress, it can be incredibly healing. Um, so physical activity at, at, its, at its core actually helps regulate the stress response. Um, so it helps make sure that the chemicals that flood the system when our survival instinct kicks in get sort of neutralized, mm -hmm. for lack of a better term. It's way more complicated right. than that, but. you know. But that's generally what happens is that the... Um, physical activity can sort of buffer the impact of the surge of chemicals from stress. So, um, and then this, in the same way, a young person who's been exposed to overwhelming trauma or stress, um, the experience of physical activity can help them get back down to baseline. So, in this, we talked earlier about how if you experience trauma, your stress response is sort of more likely to be activated. You have a shorter fuse, right. really, yep. is what it is. Um, and so you experience stress, and it sort of stays high. It doesn't always come back. It doesn't come all the way back down to baseline. The more often it happens, the more likely you are to just live at an elevated level of stress. And the experience of physical activity helps us bring the stress level back down to baseline which doesn't get done in other Enough, ways right, yeah, yeah. you know um the trauma is um in the body trauma is a biological response that you can't talk yourself out of right you can't talk yourself out of having a survival instinct um you have to actually have a biological change in order to manage that so <clears throat> I want to go go back to that point that you sure. just talked about that not, you're not able to talk yeah. yourself out of it. So I feel like when you know a coach or a teacher is dealing with you know a child that is worked up, yep. you know, and they're just like you know calm down. What are things that they can do? Because we think right. about like take a deep breath or you know yeah. like you know think about what you've been doing or how yeah. you know so is that just we shouldn't be doing that or yes yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. so we know that never in the history of calming down has anyone ever calmed down right. by being told to calm down um and that there's a biological reason why that's right. true um so when a young person is dysregulated which is what we call sort of motivated by their survival instinct they're dysregulated their chemicals are pumping um what they can't do is rationally think right and so all the ways in which we try to rationalize with them are wasted um what we have to do instead is help them regulate first basically we have to do something about this surge of chemicals so things like mindfulness things like strategies right. to sort of reset your biological response to that 
are valuable in those yeah. moments. Um, as valuable, if not more valuable, is the opportunity to move. You know, a lot of coaches' instinct when they see behavior from young people that they don't like is to have them sit, sit quietly down, right, on yeah. the bench, <laughs> which is something that they are actually biologically not inclined to do. And so better to have them move, number one. And number two, and even potentially more importantly, is to engage in patterned, repetitive, rhythmic experiences because those are soothing. And so movement is one of those, right? right? Running is a patterned, repetitive, rhythmic experience that helps reset mm -hmm. your biology, basically. Um, and it's based on the idea that the original sort of pattern on your brain was your mother's heartbeat. Yeah. And that's what's soothing. That's what makes you feel safe. And so patterned, repetitive, rhythmic experiences. And there are so many in sport that we do in order to help young people learn skills, right? Because the other thing about pattern repetitive rhythmic experiences is that that's how we learn, right? Anybody who's ever tried to teach a kid to do a layup right. or use their non-dominant foot for something yeah. or figure out how to cradle a lacrosse stick has done it through patterned repetitive rhythmic experiences over and over and over and over again. Talking about practice. Yes. Yes. Trust the process. <laughs> um, and so we use that as a skill builder and don't realize that we can use it as a way to help a young person calm down, use it as a way to help a young person regulate. So the um, uh, passing back and forth, uh, if I'm a soccer player, so I use soccer examples, passing back and forth with a teammate or with a coach is a much better way to get a young person to regulate than asking them to sit on the bench. Right. Because that patterned, repetitive, rhythmic experience helps them calm down. The next thing they need before we get to the rational thinking is that they need to feel safe. Mm -hmm. um, pattern, repetitive, rhythmic experiences helps with that. And so does relationships. Um, that is why um, the key to resilience in young people is the, ex the presence of a caring adult relationship. A, young, a person who can who they can trust to um, keep them from danger right right if they have developed trust with a coach and in that moment it feels like they're being chased by a bear and they can associate that coach with safety um, trust is the antidote to stress and so if they feel that trust with that person then that helps them regulate and also helps them get into the brain space to actually be able to, to use their rational thinking. So biologically, in order to get to, when any of us are stressed, but this is particularly true for people who've experienced overwhelming stress, for any of us to be able to get to the rational thinking when we're stressed out, we have to first regulate our bodies, we have to second feel connected, we have to regulate, relate, and then we can reason. But we jump to reason right. without the regulating right away, yeah. and relating. And for some coaches, they have the relate built in, and so they can get away with jumping to reason, but only for kids for whom it's not particularly hard to regulate. So there's a couple things there that with every answer you bring up like seven other things I want to <laughs> talk about, so hopefully we'll remember them all. But so i do want to get to in a second you talked about the relationship so coach and athlete relationship which we'll go into more detail but 
if we can hone in on what you just talked about, but let's try to give listeners a tool they could use that if you are, what if you're in a game situation, right? And something happens during the play, you have to remove them from the situation. You might not have the ability to have them be on the sideline and, you know, kick a ball back and forth with a coach. So like, what are things we can do in a game situation where, Space might be limited, mm-hmm. you know, whatever it might be. But w- w- what what are things coaches can do? Yeah. Well, one thing I think about that is that if we're really going to help young people who've experienced overwhelming stress or trauma, we actually have to be more flexible about what happens on the sideline. Right. Yeah. For sure. um, and so I understand that there are some restrictions in yeah. that in some leagues and places. But I think one of the things that we one of the things that coaches can advocate for and make sort of normal is that there's always something you do when you come out to help yourself regulate. Right. Right. There's always a way that you take. 10 dribbles with a basketball that you do some um, figure eights with a basketball through your legs. You um, roll on a um, foam roller uh, patterned repetitive rhythmic experiences. A lot of things that we actually that are in sport to help um, either uh, recover from or prevent physical injuries Mm -hmm are built on pattern repetitive yeah. experiences. So if you happen to be operating in a gym that has bikes somewhere, letting a kid ride a bike for 30 seconds before they come back to the field or become back to the bench is you'd have a different kid. Um, and so I think it's being creative in those ways and trying to make those things work in the space you're given, knowing, right. knowing that, you know, in some places it's harder than in others. Yeah. But the more that those things can be routine and the less they feel like punishment is also really valuable because, and I think that's why some of the things that we do to build skills are so powerful. They're, if we're, if we're practicing um, dribbling, you know, dribbling skills because we want young people to have better handle on the ball, then any intervention we give them that has to do with hand you know, good handwork. That's not really a term. <laughs> it's footwork in, in, ba- in soccer. Handwork. Ball handling. Ball yeah, handling. Yeah, yeah, thank you. you. Yep. Um, that has to do with ball handling can be, the young person can see it for the value of skill building and not just right. as something that they have to do because they can't control their temper. Yeah. Well, it's in, in PCA workshops, we talk a lot about drilling, drill during practice yep. and, not just the skills part. You know, if yeah. you want to teach your kids on how to react to a bad call better, right. like you need to do that drill in practice. And it's totally. the same exact thing here. Yeah. And we talk a lot about with coaches having a self-control routine for yourself on the sideline, but yeah. we need to do better a better job of knowing our kids on how we can get them to reset. Absolutely. Which goes into the building the relationship with the, your players and, and the children that you're working with. Totally. What are some things that you guys talk about on on good ways that coaches can be doing that on an everyday basis yeah i mean i think that's you you spoke that's exactly right you have to practice it um and opportunities to reset and letting kids come up with their own too right um what i've noticed about athletes in my you know old person leagues um old washed up person leagues (laughs) is that even as old washed up people we have uh, routines we go through either to get ready to play 
or to cool down. And there's some version of that that a young person can figure out in order to get themselves back to focused. Um, I think about um, free throw routines a lot. Yes, that's a great one. Everybody yeah. has a free throw routine. Yep. They spin the ball the same way. They have the same Four number dribbles. of dribbles. Yep. They put their feet in exactly the same place. And there's an equivalent of that for every time you come off the field or off the court that a young person can create for themselves or that you can help a young person create. Let's take a quick break to hear from our presenting sponsor. Thanks to Tapivo for being a great supporter of PCA in this podcast. Remember, to learn more about Tapivo, check them out at tapivo.com. Also, make sure you subscribe to the podcast and listen to the previous episodes of the podcast that you might have missed. Now back to our conversation with Megan Bartlett. We coach just put out a white paper on why trauma-informed sport is vital, and we'll talk about where people can find that. Um, the You guys have some recommendations mm-hmm. on what people can do, and the first one is a new starting line, the same finish line. Yep. So... Tell us more about that. Sure. So I think one of the one of the like traps that it's easy to fall into when you're talking about the impact of trauma is that you have to sort of change everything about working with these young people and that a lot of the strategies you use to work with these with young people feel like they are coddling a young person and not expecting the same things from them. Um, when in fact, you know, lowering your expectations for a young person is never valuable. It's about making, keeping the same expectations, but understanding that the path to those expectations is different than for young people who've been exposed to trauma, because what they have to do instead of, and again, it's way more complicated than this, but basically every young person that we're trying to coach or help get better at their sport they're starting at a baseline and we're trying to move them up to a new norm, right? A new developmental stage. And so I think about that as helping them sort of grow so that they can thrive. But for a young person who's been exposed to trauma, because of the way the chemicals hit their brain, because of the way their brain is now wired they actually can't use the same experiences to go from grow to thrive. They actually have to heal first. So instead of wiring your brain from A to B, they're starting at sort of, they're starting somewhere else and have to rewire back to A. Just to get back to the... Go back to the baseline, right? And so... In order to do that, in order to grow and thrive, you have to heal first, which means that you have to carve out time and to help them regulate, help them feel safe and related and connected, and then you can get to all the rational thinking. They have all the same capacity to do that. It's just they need a different set of tools to help them be able to do it. And so, you know, I think a lot of times the trauma-informed space gets dismissed because it feels like we're not holding them accountable. It feels like we're just letting them off with bad behavior when in fact it's behavior they can't control and they have to sort of relearn how to react to stress. 
It's really, it's really fascinating because I've been around so many coaches and players and coaching at the high school or college level, and somebody will have an outburst, and the immediate the reaction from a coach is, grow up, or, you right. know, like, just without yeah. even ever taking into consideration anything yeah. else that's going on. It's like, you're totally. here, you're playing basketball, you're getting mad because you're not playing or because you got a bad foul on you, and now you're throwing a tantrum and we're just like come on grow up and it's willful right the assumption is that that young person is being disrespectful on purpose right or that they are willfully doing something that you don't like when in fact their brain has been wired to do that and so i think that's the that's what we hope coaches can sort of start to understand is not to jump to mad but to instead sort of wonder, like, hey, this doesn't seem pro- like a proportionate response. Right. So I wonder if something else is, is going on. Yeah. Right. Or, and it seems like this kid needs new skills, not new will. Right. Kids right. will do well if they can. Right. They are not necessarily being willfully disobedient they need a set of skills to help them manage stress. And that set of skills is another one that you get to learn in sport in a different way than in any other experience. You get to practice it. You get to drill it. You get to have all these sort of dial up. You get to dial up the stress in lots of different ways and practice. One of the other recommendations in the white paper is high five with abandon. (laughs) What's... I mean, yeah, I, it's true. That is accurate. <laughs> that is something that is absolutely critical. Um, it, in in the context of our white paper, it's based on some really interesting work on um, sort of dosing mm-hmm. of interventions. Yeah. Um, and again, athletes and and people who train athletes understand dosing. Understand that you push just a little bit beyond where you're comfortable, and then you have to rest and right. recover and go back. Um, and so what we know about learning and what we know about the the way the brain takes in information is that healing doesn't happen in sort of 45 minute chunks healing happens in moments of connection where young people feel that that safety created by other people um and so the idea that these small moments of connection can actually build on each other and and have a kind of uh, cumulative impact in the same way that small um, stresses or you know sort of overwhelming experiences can also build on each other in the in the opposite way that trauma doesn't happen in 45 minute bursts right yeah and neither so the reverse is true healing can happen in these small doses the Another recommendation is join team brain. Yeah, for sure. Coaches just learning more. Yeah. Using th- this podcast to learn more. But I exactly. also want to I, I also want to try to get into a really something you know, for coaches that are listening to this. Yeah. And then you know, then they're going to they might be on the pra- on their way to practice right now and, sure. then, and they've never thought about this and then they yeah. get there and like well, have has he experienced right. trauma like where do you start yeah. as a coach? Like, what 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 can you do? Well, How you, can you don't start by asking, <laughs> "Do you have trauma? Do you have trauma?" Definitely not. But I think when you know if this is brand new to totally. someone, it's overwhelming. They're like, "Hold on, sure. I just you know, 
I was just listening to a po- Power of Positive podcast yeah. thinking I was going to get, you know, something. Now we're talking brain science and trauma. Totally. And now I need to coach. Like, wh- how am I making the connection? So uh, a couple of things I think are really important about that. One is that I think, I hope that even just hearing this amount about the brain right. makes coaches understand how powerful the interactions they have with young people are and how powerful sport can be in terms of supporting young people. It is so much more than right. what it is made to be. Um, it is uniquely suited to help young people heal. Um, and so I think there's real power in that. And, and I hope that means people understand how important what they're doing is it can feel incredibly overwhelming and the good news about helping young people heal is that the part that we talked about earlier you don't have to talk about the trauma right right in fact coaches are not qualified to and they shouldn't right if a young person discloses that kind of information to them they should look for other resources for that young person to get the kind of one-on-one support for that that they need what coaches can do is be more curious about their young people's behavior be less likely to sort of assume intent and be more likely to think about the reaction a young person has right Right. they can also think about their own reactions for sure right and so the when we're talking about strategies to help a young person regulate the best way to help a young person regulate is to be a regulated adult, right? It is to not meet them not right, right, at, at that right. level. Um, it is to remain calm. It is to be, um, to model behaviors that are good for, for regulating, um, to own your own disproportionate responses and say everybody gets stressed out sometimes. Everybody reacts in the wrong way. Um, and to show that it's, takes practice to get better at those things. What are, um, it's, it's pretty amazing. The, the power of sports and physical activity. Um, you know, there are, I know there are some schools out there that are starting to try to work this into the way they structure their days and Mm -hmm. curriculum that it's a lot of movement and activity. I mean, do you think this is, is there enough traction that there's going to be a bigger movement in that direction? I hope so. I yeah, think so. Yeah. Um, I think there are um, influential people making this a priority. I think there are, um, I think there's a critical mass of people who understand that it doesn't matter what your in- intervention is to grow and thrive if you haven't done the healing. And so we really have to do that first. And I think that's becoming clear. That's becoming part of the conversation. I think the um, the thing about sport and the brain is that it's three things. Sport, there's an, all of these things sort of make the case for sport. One is that those kinds of movements and those things are finally in small numbers, not nearly in the numbers yet that they need to be, being brought back into learning environments. People are starting to understand that in order to help young, young people be successful in the classroom, that they have to learn these regulation skills. They have to have the experience of regulating or else 
they can't function in a classroom. And so this, the way in which we know that physical activity aids the brain in learning, Mm -hmm. regardless of your experience of stress or trauma, is starting to become more clear. The idea that it can be uniquely suited to help with healing and to help with those regulating behaviors, sort of the second part. And then this third part is that once you start to know more about the brain, and I know a fraction of what real neuroscientists know about the brain, it is also better for performance if you understand the brain, right? So these hardcore sport people who are telling me that, you know, I don't need to know about that. I just want to turn out. I just need to create the next Kobe. Um, Actually, what we know about performance is that all of these brain, all of these strategies for connection, relatedness, positive culture, all of those things are actually also aiding performance. It's like the, and you mentioned it, the focusing on, the mastery versus yeah. the results that totally. is leading to better results. So absolutely, why why wouldn't you do it right that way? All the all that we know about the way we learn is just sort of along the continuum of your react your ability to manage stress. Right. And a stressed brain, a sort of overstressed brain, doesn't learn. So if you if you're being driven by your survival instinct, if you're flooded, your brain gets flooded with those chemicals, the part of your brain that turns your short term memories into long term memories doesn't function the way that it should. So you literally can't learn until you can regulate your brain so that you can get back to learning. So we've just talked about 40 minutes about brain science <laughs> and trauma. <laughs> time flies when you're talking oh, about sure. yeah, trauma. Oh, sure. Yeah, time flies when science. you're talking about um, trauma. Yeah. So before we get into our final five questions, sure. one, for any coach, regardless of where they're coaching or who they're coaching, what are one or two things they can be doing every day with their players that you think are just going to help them, Yeah, you know? One, I think putting some language to stress, right? What's in your comfort zone? What's in your um, stretch zone? And what's in your stress zone, right? Like what's in your comfort zone, learning zone, stress zone? Like what feels like good stress? What feels like bad stress? Um, And helping young people identify when they're either getting to or at a place where they need to regulate. Um, And then the second thing I think goes back to helping them come up with those strategies and and the more they can come up with those strategies on their, on own, their own it's going to help them the right. more likely they are to use them the more engaged they'll be in them and the more effective they'll be um but i think that goes along with creating um a culture around all of that that it's normal mm-hmm. and that it happens to everybody and that actually once we develop these skills it's going to be better for our, the way we handle stress and keep us from doing behaviors that people don't like and also help our performance, right. right? It also, you know, you learn how to manage stress, then you're more likely to be able to hit the free throw when it counts. Right. And you're more likely to not lose your cool when it's down to the last 30 seconds of a game and you're yeah. tied. You know, yeah. all of those things are also support better performance as an athlete. It was interesting you talked, you, you mentioned identifying the different zones and, and yeah. having people be able to talk about that. And, um, a PCA National Advisory Board member, Carol Dweck, mm. mindset. She talks about Broke that. Head. She spoke to our staff a couple of years ago, and she talked about 
saying that, you know, the fixed mindset is going to be there. It's going to yep. appear. Yep. And she was like, I had people that have named their fixed mindset. Totally. They have a name for their fixed mindset yeah. and saying like, like Gosh, I know yeah. that and I am like using my fixed mindset right, right. now and, and like identifying it because then right. you're aware, more aware of it. And it sounds absolutely. like the same thing for. Yeah, the, absolutely. Yeah. The more that you can be reflective of it right. and the more that coaches can model their own reflection on it. Yes. Um, you know, we have all seen coaches lose their cool. Right. And so the more that they can say, you know, here's what I do yeah. when I lose my cool. narrated modeling. And yeah. uh, we talk about that a lot of, or when they don't lose their cool and say, yeah. coach, They're, like, how can you, like, that was obviously a bad call. Right. And it's like, right. And here's why I'm not, or, totally. you know, those types of Did things. Did you so. notice me? Right. You know? Yeah. Throwing the ball against the wall 10 <laughs> times. <laughs> Did you just notice those deep breaths that yeah, I was taking for the last 30 right. seconds? Yeah. <laughs> Um, all right, final five questions okay. here. Quick hitters. Yep. Uh, Megan's greatest sports accomplishment. Um, gosh, I don't know. My eighth grade rec soccer team was undefeated. There you go. Yeah. I mean, that's a good yeah, my, yeah, my dad was my coach. There you, you know, go. We are Newport, Rhode Island legends, I would say. Yeah. <laughs> the street is named, right? Yeah, There's right. A, yeah, yeah, okay. Bartlett Boulevard. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, the sports-based youth development field becomes even a bigger deal if uh, people join Team Brain. Yeah. If people okay. really start to understand the link between sport and learning, sport and healing, and sport and performance. You are currently a soccer player still? Oh, I like to say it's because I travel so much. I right, can't be on a time. team. Right, yeah. exactly. You don't want to um, down. But. So, no. Okay. I wish but I you was were. still on a team. And we have the Women's World Cup coming up. We sure do. And uh, we did this with one of our uh, previous guests as well. Uh, the women's team wore jerseys with women that they were, yes. you know, looked yeah, up yeah, to. Yeah. So, if you had your jersey, who would... Oh, uh, it would be hard not to say RBG for this yeah. one. Yeah, that was pretty, that was a good one. That was pretty solid. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's good. I also did myself a favor and watched the documentary on oh, her recently. Oh, yeah, so and now you're, like, you're all in. Oh, yeah. I mean, I was all in before. before and <laughs> I was like, <laughs> bubble wrapper, keep her, <laughs> <Right>. keep her safe. <laughs> she's, a, she's a treasure. Uh, give us one or two book recommendations, maybe oh. one related to the field totally. or, or whatever, but... Um, the book rec recommendation I always make specific to this work mm -hmm. is a book by Bruce Perry called The Boy Who Was Raised as a Dog. Um, I know it doesn't sound necessarily like it's related to sport, um, but it is a group of case studies about young people who've been exposed to the worst things you can be exposed to. And what I love about it is how hopeful it is. It shows without a doubt how the brain can always change the yeah. fact that we are never done getting better. We can always heal. We can always um, improve. And if the young people who've been through those things can get better, um, it feels really hopeful and really um, empowering to, for coaches to be able to see what they have the power to impact. Great. And that was the boy, boy who, who was, was raised as a dog by Bruce Perry. Bruce Perry. Awesome. All right. Last question. We do it with everybody. What does the power of positive mean to you when you think of youth sports? Um, I think it goes back to this idea that 
positive is involved in all three of those things. It's involved in learning, it's involved in healing, and it's involved in performance. And I think probably particularly it gets undervalued in performance. And that I think some of our most sort of public coaches today are, or some of them are really good in are really good models of how that's true. Right. Um, you think about Steve Kerr and yes. you and the videos that were around of him telling his players how wonderful they're doing and yeah. asking them questions and supporting them and, and not letting them off the hook, but right. also making sure that they see the value in what they're bringing. Um, and you don't get more elite than the Warriors right now. So what do you have to say about tough love? <laughs> you told me I'm not allowed to swear on this <laughs> podcast. Um, I think the I think with tough love, people get away with it because there's also the love part, right? Um, but there's no no biological value in tough love. Bio, tough love is not biologically respectful to right. the way we learn. Yeah. Um, because a stressed brain can't learn. And so when someone when someone is successful using that strategy, it works for that handful of young people who are able to tolerate it, but what we don't see are the number of kids who wouldn't be able to tolerate it and therefore are not are not sort of are not part of that experience, right? They get weeded out in a way that may have less to do with their talent and their ability and more to do with the assumptions somebody makes about their experience. I think when when we rely on tough love, we're missing out. We're missing kids. Kids are getting are getting kicked out yeah. who with a different approach would be able to heal and thrive. Where can people find more information about We Coach? Um, our website, or yeah, all that fun stuff. Our website is weallcoach.com, um, which is where our, uh, the white paper is. Uh, so if people are interested in that, um, and then uh, we are we underscore all coach um, at on Twitter, and I think the same on Instagram. Sure, ish. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, find us. We'll find us. All of that's on the website. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome, Megan Bartlett. Thank you very much. Thank you. This is fun. Yeah. I'm sure you're going to have a lot of team brainers after, uh, after <laughs> yeah, this podcast. Yeah, everybody should join Team Brain for sure. It's the place to be. Well, thank you for all the work that you're doing. Um, thank you. For the world and for youth sports and, and really just in general. You know, as PCA, it's better athletes, but more importantly, better people. So sure. the work that you all are doing. And we're excited to do even more together. So. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, everything that PCA does to change the culture um, around youth sport is a step towards people knowing more of this. And I think um, we're, you know, this this changes team sport. It's not, it's not somebody doing it by themselves. Awesome. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank you.